we um, moved churches, one of the most exciting things was living next door to neighbours that aren't Christians. But we were just excited to live next to people that didn't know God, they didn't go to church, they didn't have any connection to this. And so this past week, one of our neighbours is moving. So they're moving just down the road. They bought a house. It's really awesome for them. But it means saying goodbye to them. And part of moving a house, as you may well know, is you have to clean up the place. And their garden was overgrown in some bits where she didn't have a whippersnipper. So against the fences and the house and so forth. So I offered to whippersnip her place. And so I went over there and she was actually um, out. And so I did the front and then and it was a hot day. It was, it was like this, you know, muggy hot. And I'm covered in sweat and it just looked completely disgusting. And I do the back and she comes home and comes out and she's so thankful. But she leads, I love it because she's just like, what you see is what you get. She leads with this. She goes, oh, you look awful. It's like, it's like 40 degrees and I've been standing, like exercising for the last hour. She goes, yeah, I think it's more than that. You look dreadful. Thanks. I think she goes, I, you are such good neighbours. I don't know what we're going to do without you. You're such amazing neighbours. And then later on, our kids <laughs> wandered out of our house and wandered next door when I was there. But I said, oh, have you told mum? And they're like... Oh, we see we're going outside. I'm like, yeah, outside or like down the street. Um, and then Amanda's like, oh, I'll go and see Lyndall. So she goes to Lyndall and says to Lyndall, oh, such amazing neighbours, really going to miss you. And I was reflecting on that because there's been these amazing opportunities we've had over the last couple of years to just bless and be with and care for and involve them in our lives. And I've invited them to village a bunch of times and they're yet to come, but that doesn't mean that they, they won't. But that's not the be all and end all. The fact is God has given us this avenue to love these beautiful people. A single mom with two teenage boys who at times, as most people do, or everybody does, just struggle. And so we could be there in the trenches with her. And I was thinking, I find it so easy. Like, she's like, wow, you cut the grass. I'm like, it, it wasn't a stretch. I didn't, I didn't struggle. It wasn't a hard thing to do. I love doing this. And then I was thinking, why do I love doing that? Like, what's going on in me that I don't, I, it's much more enjoyable for me to cut her grass than cut my grass, right? <laughs> to fix up her house rather than mine. It's just, oh, this is great. I'll do this. And I, and I realized that it was, God has, over the years, just blessed me, blessed me, blessed me, blessed me. And that blessing has to flow out. And it can't flow out into yourself, right? It doesn't work. And so you have these avenues of relationships and opportunities and circumstance where you get to bless others. And when you're blessing others, you're like, this feels amazing. There is something about living in this moment as I get to bless others. We can't keep God's blessing to ourselves. It doesn't work. We're not spiritually healthy if we hold God's blessing to ourselves. It has to spill out. We've got this idea of village, already talked about a few weeks ago. It's called Help a Neighbour. And what we'd love to do is uh, uh, we would love to improve the social fabric all across Burley by helping people realise their needs just down the road or their friend that they have or their literal neighbour and tell us the need and then join with us in helping respond to that need, right? And it just connects on a whole bunch of cool things. And that might be anything from moving house to, to cutting the grass, to watering the garden, to um, making some meals, or goodness knows what else. Just this way of helping people, but helping people help people. So this is this idea of helping a neighbour, but it only works if when we gather like this, God meets us and blesses us and fills us so there is an overflow. So when an opportunity comes up, we go, oh, hold me back. I'm so keen to get there. I'm going to change plans so I can get there because I've got to do something with this blessing that God is giving me and filling me up 
with. And so there's been a lot of thinking done about this, not just by us, but across the world. And we've talked about this previously. There's, there's these habits that people are encouraged to develop and they use an acronym called BELLS which is one of the most unhelpful acronyms you can have because it doesn't have anything to do with this uh, thing. So we've reworked it. And we've, so it's going to work, right? This is going to catch on, go global. It's going to be insane. Um, we, we're going to develop a habit of blessing, right? The habit of to bless someone. And the bless, the B-L-E-S-S stands for something. So the B is to literally bless someone. So we want to develop a habit where we're blessing people individually as a church, and as a church. The L is listening to the Spirit. We develop a habit of listening to the Spirit always. The E is to eat with others, to invite people into our homes, to go out and eat with people. Because when you eat with people, something happens that can't happen any other way. A bond is forged. forged. A connection takes place when we eat with people. The, the first S is to study Jesus. So what is Jesus saying? And that's what we've been, uh, we'll talk more, more about this in just a few minutes. Um, but we've been reading the Bible together. So in our first week, it's gone amazingly well. People are really engaged with it. It's really exciting. We're reading our Bible together. And then the last S is to be sent, that we live a life sent. This, the Bible talks about this idea of being aliens in this foreign land. It's meant to feel foreign. We're meant to go, this doesn't feel like home. This should feel like home. But when we go to our jobs, when we go to the places where we do life, when we go to mum's groups or this group or that group or whatever, that should feel a little bit foreign. And that's good if it does. Because that will cause you to go, God, what do you want me to do here? Who do you want me to be here? How do I engage in this place? So we're going to work through over the next five weeks this idea of bless. And today is B. And B stands for? Bless. Oh, man, come on. I know it's a bit warm. B stands for? Oh, that was good. That was heaps good. So we've been reading the Bible, and this is the link if you want to join us. And basically, we want to read through the New Testament in a year. Um, and so this is um, this is the black version, but the white version will come up in a minute of uh, the link that you can follow on your Bible app. So you version Bible app, you can join with us. Or if you're like, ah, oh, technology, not my thing. There's a um, exact copy of the readings on that table that you can grab on the way out. We would love for you. Now go back one, Sam. There it is, yes. Um, so the URL is the same as the QR code. You can, if you've got a new phone, you can hit the camera button. It gives you a QR reference reader and you can join us. Um, and this week's been amazing. Like, so people have been on the, on the app and you can comment on the passage. And so I feel every day I'm getting these mini sermons. I'm like, this is so enriching and encouraging and, and building me up in my faith. And I, I imagine, and by the looks of what people are responding to, everybody's feeling that same sort of vibe. So I'd encourage you to be part of that. But if not, take a, uh, take a, a sheet, read along. We're going to be preaching on it. Small groups are going to be on it. We'll be tracking it through. Um, every week. Um, but we, we want to make sure that this isn't about ticking off the thing. You know how Bible reading can sometimes get into, well, I've done my reading for today. Tick. I feel better about myself. That's actually to completely miss the point of reading Scripture. The point of reading Scripture is to be with Jesus, to, to, to dwell with Jesus. What do you want to say to me? So it doesn't matter if you miss a day. I know some of you are like, ah, no, 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 you've got to hit every day. It doesn't matter if you miss a day. It doesn't matter if you miss a week. If you're thinking, I haven't tracked along the last week, so I can't join in now. Yes, you can. It's okay. And to help, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep you up to date with what we talked about on Friday. So the Friday reading, I'm going to preach about now, so no one has an excuse to join with us and be part of this program if you feel so led. So Matthew 5, 1 to 12, this is what it says. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up onto the mountainside, 
and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And this is what he said. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will seek God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are, the, are, are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Jesus shares nine ways that we can be blessed. That's cool, right? Yeah? You'll look at me like, nah. Like, be blessed by God, the presence of God with us, drawn into God's the one. Nine clues, nine pathways in. You see, for us to be a blessing for others, we first need to receive the blessing God has for us. Because then it's out of that overflow. If you're blessing people and not receiving the blessing, you're doing it out of what you have, your resources. So one, it doesn't have the dynamic um, power exchange that happens when God blesses us and we pass it on. And two, you run out. You start going, I just, oh, I can't stand people. I, can't, I don't want to help anyone. And it becomes all about you. So first of all, we come to God and we go, okay, God, how, we want to be blessed. And Jesus said, there's these nine ideas about how you can be blessed. I'm going to bless you. And you're not going to have any choice but for this to flow over into other people's lives. So don't stress about it. It's just what's going to happen. So we go, okay, how do I be blessed by God? I was thinking about this. How do I get blessed by God? This week, something quite amazing happened to me that I never saw coming and that I felt totally and utterly blessed by God. About four years ago, I had a friendship with someone that deteriorated really quickly and I had no idea why. No idea why. And it grieved me and I, and I felt the loss of that. And I had no understanding. There was a distance that kind of automatically happened. There was a silence that happened and I had no idea what I'd done. And I reached out, I tried to connect and, and it didn't work. And so, so about a year on, I, I really felt the weight of this. I felt this weight and, and I was talking to God about it. I was saying, look, this, oh, this sucks. This is not how it's meant to be. And I felt God say, he said this really interesting thing. He said, don't hate, don't hurt, just wait. Like that's the dumbest <laughs> instructions ever. Like, because it does hurt and I do want to like respond and I don't want to wait. And, and God, you don't get it because this, this one, I don't know how you're going to fix. I don't know how it's going to be fixed. So the other day, I went to Bookfest, and I came out of Bookfest, I paid for my books at the convention centre, and I walked out and I looked over my friend, well, the person that was in that, that we were friends, I looked over and they were there. And I did the double take, you know when you see someone that you don't, it's like when you see someone you know down in a situation where you don't think you know, you're like, oh, it's you, and I went, oh, how I play this next second matters. And I went, I've got to move toward, and so I went toward them. And we chatted for five minutes. It was warm. It was friendly. Everything about the exchange felt authentic. And we talked about families, talked about kids. I'm like, shoot, come around. See the kids. Like, you don't even know Hamish. <laughs> come meet him. And, and I walked away from that thinking, I thought that was dead and gone and 
like I hadn't given it a thought in such a long time. It's just a, a painful thing is just gone. And God says, no, no, I'm going to fix what you can't fix. I'm going to do what you can't do. You don't need to worry about it. I'm on it. I'll fix it. And when God does that, you go, oh, I'm just overflowing. Like, how good is God? So I called Lyndall and I told her, but unfortunately, our kids were being quite noisy and disruptive. So we couldn't really like celebrate that, that moment. But I'm like, God's true. Like, I doubted his word, but it doesn't matter if you doubt his word because his word still happens, right? And he said all the way back then, don't worry. Don't hurt. Don't hate. Just wait. And came through on that. So I'm walking out of the art center. I'm like, I just want to help someone, anyone. It doesn't, you just, when, when you're full of what God does, it needs to flow out. It needs to flow out of us because we have such a gratitude for what God does. That's why Jesus starts his whole sermon on it. First, like, sermon off the, off the rank, he talks about this idea because he wants us to understand it because it's so pivotal, pivotal to human um, existence. And the way he starts it, where he starts it is really key. Do you know where he preaches the sermon on the... Mountain. Oh, that's right. The mount, right? So it's a mountain. Now, what's fascinating about mountains is you don't preach sermons on mountains. You just don't do it. You go to the mountains with your little crew because that's where you hide to start a revolution. In the caves and the mountains and the rocks. And that's where you gather momentum about this is how we're going to overthrow the kingdom. So when Matthew says, oh, and they went up in the mountainside um, and Jesus gathered to him these disciples. What what Matthew is saying is, this is where the revolution began. This is where they were going to start something so significant that would change everything. They were going to set up something that generally culture would go, that is ridiculous. And we're about to read those, those blessings and go, yep, they are ridiculous. That doesn't make any sense. Unless, of course, I'm not in control and God is in control. See, our culture struggles to value blessing and, and no strings attached because it's way, used to a two-way interaction, right? So, so you help me and I help you. You give to me and I give you something in return for that. And sometimes it's in a shop and other times it's with mates. But there's always this kind of our culture um, is measured by the fact that, well, I've helped you out a bunch of times, so you kind of owe me that. So can you do me a favour? And and so we have this whole thing. Now, here's the problem. God is not a two-way transactional God like that. God is one-way transactional. God is like, I'm going to give because whatever you manage to give back is not going to be enough. It's going to be pitifully short. So I'm going to give. And so God gives this one-way transaction. And we take it from God. We go, this is amazing. What do I do with it? God says, well, you now offer a one-way transaction. You love people the same way I have loved you. right? You forgive the same way I've forgiven you. You give hope the same way I've given you hope. Because we can't give that back to God. It doesn't make sense. God's an infinite being. He doesn't need those things. But he does need us to pass them on. So we become part of this one-way transaction. We bless and we help and we give with no desire, need or, or, or kind of um, context of ever needing anything back. And my neighbour, this drives her crazy. She spends ages brainstorming ways that she can help us. And she comes up with the most ridiculous ideas. I'm like, that, I, I, how's that actually going to help anyone? But it's her heart. She's just like, oh, I've been, she's received something, right? So what she's actually received is this thing from God that's come through us and she's received it. And she's like, I've got I've to give it back. We're like, nope. 
Go give it to somebody else. Go give it to somebody else. See, it's revolutionary, it's transformative. It doesn't make sense to people, but if we keep doing it, it wears them down. She now, she said the other day, she goes, here you go with that nice little, oh, it was like a goody, goody thing you do. It was just a bit strange. I thought, where did that come from? Or, or, or she'd say, oh, you, you're into that religious thing. This is right up your alley. Oh, man, I'm not into that kind of religious thing. I don't know what's going on. So, so God says the only way to value what we have is, is to go, this is free. And in receiving it, I value it. And when we value it, we then have to pass it on. It becomes so valuable what we have from God that others must have a part of this. So he fires up these, five, these, these seven ideas in his sermon, these eight ideas, sorry, um, and kicks off. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So what does poor in spirit mean? Who used, who's used that phrase in the last week? Feeling quite poor in spirit. <laughs> How about yourself? It's, it's language we don't use, right? It's, it's language that they used back then. It meant to be humble. It was his Old Testament origin. It meant to be humble. So to be poor in spirit was to be humble. And to be humble was to say, I know who I am and I know who God is and I know that I'm not God. So that's how you understand humility, right? It's going, oh, I'm actually not God. And so I don't expect to be treated like God or people engage with me like God or have the responsibilities that God has. Uh, and, and that places us in this position of humility. So when we're in that position, we go, God, you need to lead me. I need you because I know I'm not you and I know you have that which I don't need. And we lean on God. Truly knowing who you are and knowing who God is changes our experience of life. You're blessed when you realise you're not God. That's what Jesus kicks off with. You guys are blessed when you realise you're not God. And then he goes up to number two. He follows up. He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And this must be one of the most used um, Bible scriptures in, in funerals. And it's really, really powerful, except Jesus didn't have that in mind when he spoke it. He wasn't talking about when you lost someone. So it's awesome that that can be used to really help people. But when Jesus spoke it, that wasn't what the mourning he had in mind. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So what are we supposed to mourn then? Especially if you're feeling pretty happy. Like, blessed if you mourn. If it's not about losing someone, oh, I'm pretty enjoying life. So how do I bless? And, and, and what Jesus is getting at is, no, no, no. Mourn that your sin grieves God. Mourn that your brokenness, when you keep it to yourself, grieves God. Mourn. That when you are distant from God and don't turn toward God, that's what you should be mourning. That your sin, your brokenness, your hurt, your, your shame, it, it sits in this place of, of damage to God, of discontent. It's like you can't damage God, but of this place that just weighs on Him. He's like, I died to take that off you. We should mourn the gravity of it because when we mourn the gravity of it, we allow God to come in and say, I'm going to take it from you. I'm going to free you from it. I'm going to rescue you from it. We're comforted, right? And it's not like the big grandmotherly comfort. Like we read comfort in the scriptures and we think of uh, like, like loving grandma just grabbing hold of a little kid and just bringing comfort to them. That's not the comfort it's talking about. The comfort it's talking about is the power of God interceding for us so that our sin doesn't, tell, doesn't um, uh, determine the way our story and our life works out. So we go, oh, thank goodness we're comforted, right? Perhaps not as powerful enough as it needs to be for us to understand it. You're blessed when you see your sin, 
because God can do something about it. So when you go, oh man, I'm so bad, I'm so sinful, I'm so, and you look at yourself like that, that is a good place. You're on the verge of being blessed by God, right? God says, oh, I'm going to comfort you in that. Let me in, let me in. So number three, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. When I think about meek, I think about like scrawny, nerdy little guy. But, but someone that you go, they can't stand up for themselves. <laughs> They can't stand up for themselves. They're scared, they're timid, they run away. That's what meek looks like, right, in our cultural thinking. Meek didn't mean that at all. D.A. Carson says, meekness is a controlled desire to see others' interests advance ahead of one's own. So it's intentionality that your needs and your interests will advance ahead of the advancement of my agenda and my things. Meekness means... We can let go of the stuff that we want to find security in and safety in because God is our security and our safety. God has those things. So this call to be blessed, to be meeked, it means, oh, I, I actually don't need to, for any, to beat anybody else. I have all that I need, not based on anything else other than God. And we will inherit the earth. It's a bit strange, inherit the earth, except it was this throwback to the Jewish people when they had no earth, when they had no land, when they had no home, and they were walking around the desert and all they had to survive on was God. And God said, just follow me, just trust me, and I will give you everything you need in the promised land. And he led them through to the promised land. It's this throwback of, of, of when we go, oh, my security is in God. Well, the same will be true for you as it was for my people, as it has been ever since. I will be enough. For you, Jesus says. You're blessed when you give away everything you find your value in because your security is in God. Shooting down the list. At number four, nearly halfway there. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, righteousness is being right with God. Jesus was telling those who realized that they could not continue to live without God that they were blessed. So when you get to the point of going, I just need God so badly, I need to be right with God so badly, like it's eating at me like a hunger eats at me. That's when Jesus says, My blessing is upon you. Like you you're blessed when you're in that space. That's why we started reading through the Bible. Because we want to develop in ourselves such an appetite and a hunger to know who Jesus is and to take hold of Jesus because we know when that happens, there is this blessing that we encounter that we have to share with others. You're blessed when you hunger for God, when your hunger for God increases because God can fully satisfy you. Number five, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. And this best captures what we understand blessing to be. So if you said to somebody, what's blessing? They would say, oh, being nice to others, being merciful, being compassionate, being kind. That's what this beatitude talks about. It's only an eighth of what blessing is, right? Which is really, really interesting. But it means Jesus, Jesus says, this is how I was to you. I was warm to you and I was caring to you and I was interested in you. and I gave to you with no desire. I rescued you when you were on the margins. I, I found you when you were lost. I, I loved you when you were full of hate. When you were living with guilt and shame, I came to you. And Jesus says, do the same. Because there's some places Jesus wants to get into, but he says, no, I'm going to slap some skin on, which is us, and I'm going to walk in there in human bodily form. I'm going to minister to people through us. 
And so we need to go to those people who are on the margins, who are struggling, who are destitute, who are lonely, who are uncomfortable to be around, who are whatever, and be merciful to them. Show them what God has shown us. See, he offers us forgiveness that's greater than the mistakes and the shame and the guilt and the brokenness we have. And he offers us love that is greater than the hatred and the sadness and the bitterness that we can entertain. And he offers us a purpose greater than the lostness and the despair and the emptiness we can know so well. That's God's mercy. We don't deserve it. Like, what? And God says, I'm giving it to you anyway. And so we need to find people who we think don't deserve it and give it to them. And upon receiving it, we are transformed. And upon receiving it, others are transformed. You're blessed when you have God's mercy to offer others. But Jesus isn't finished yet. Hang in. Nearly there. Number six. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Jesus impresses on this small group of revolutionaries that, that they need a purification of heart in order to know the closeness of God. And that would have been like amazing to hear, wonderful to hear, and absolutely impossible. Just like, all right, we'll just do a survey, just see how we go. Who has the last... 24 hours said they have le- lived with a beautifully clean and pure heart. Go, put your hands up. No, no, now, put your hands up if it's, if it's you. It's impossible, right? We all go, yeah, 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 Jesus, uh, dumb one. Because <laughs> I can't be pure in heart. I wish I could, but every 10 seconds I get betrayed around that. See, purity is so important because God is a pure God and the kingdom of God is a pure kingdom and he is holy and he welcomes us into that. So we must be pure and holy to get in, but we can't get pure and holy except for Jesus. And Jesus says, oh, let me judge you on my holiness so you can come in. Let me put my purity on you so you can come in. And and when we have Jesus's purity, we get to see God. We get blessed because we get to see God. It's like when we trust in God, we exchange that barrier of our uncleanness. We exchange that for this doorway. We get to commune with God. We get to, to walk through and connect with God. That's all because Jesus did it. That Jesus says, I'm the gate through which you meet my Father. So come through me. You're blessed when you go to Jesus to purify your heart. Because only he can do that. The seventh insight. Blessing, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Jesus was, was calling people to walk in his footsteps, to both spiritually and physically, literally follow him around. And he was the epitome of peacemaking. He didn't keep the peace very well at all. But he made peace and then he shared it around. He, he would make peace and give it to others. My peace is with you, he would say. And so as we become peacemakers, we, we then become children, or in some versions, sons of God. Now, we read sons of God, and in this day and age, it's quite easy to get offended at that. Like, it, we're, that's, that's not equal. Like, where's the daughters of God? It was, it was actually a cultural term. And it talked about, when they talked about families, they talked about fathers and sons. And these sons of God, if you were a son of your father, you had the same character. You had the same likeness. The way you did life was like your father. So this isn't about being a son better than being a daughter. This is about, do we hold the character of God? And how do we get that character? We go make peace. We go make peace, not war, 
and we become, we, we, our character begins to get formed to what God is like. You're blessed when you make peace because you'll become more like God. And finally, the best one. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Huh? You imagine the disciples, this is going great. What? Can you backtrack just a sec, Jesus? What did you say? Blessed are you when you're persecuted. No, we don't like persecution. We know what happens to you. Persecuted means you get hung on a cross by the Roman Empire. That's not a cool thing. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of the righteousness. For theirs, is in the, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus cunningly kept this to the last one. He knew if he led with this, it'd be a short sermon, right? Because people are like, oh, I thought this was going to be fun. <laughs> got to go. Got to go. Sorry. And, and Jesus would have been up on the mountainside all by himself. So he kind of warms them up. The blessing is looking good. You can step into it. Even when you're persecuted, this is going to be great. And they go, oh, what, 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 what did you say? So what does it mean to be persecuted for righteousness? Oh, what, how do we understand that? To, to be defined by righteousness was to be determined to live in obedience with God. That's it, to, to, to desire to be right with God, which was to, I'm gonna obey what God tells me to do. In fact, you work out your obedience to Christ, it will likely bring opposition. You ever thought, found, found that? I was talking to somebody this morning that was finding that, like I, I started doing this thing for the church and all this bad stuff started happening. And then he said, so I decided to do it more and show him. Like, yeah, you've got to push into that. Too many people back off and live this safe, empty, miserable space. There will be persecution. There will be stuff that doesn't work. It will feel uneasy because we're an alien living in a foreign land, right? So it's not meant to be all peaceful. We make peace. We don't keep the peace. There's no peace already there. You're blessed when you obey God because you grow closer to God. The persecution pushes us. It's meant to push us into God. So let me recap. We're going to throw them up on the screen. Go to the last thing. It says, you're blessed when you realise you're not God. You're blessed when you see your sin because God can do something about it. You're blessed when you give away everything you find you're valuing because your security is in God. You're blessed when you're hungry for God. Your hunger for God increases because God can fully satisfy you. You're blessed when you have God's mercy to offer others because you'll appreciate God's mercy more. You're blessed when you go to Jesus to purify your heart because only he can do that. You're blessed when you make peace because you'll become more like God. You're blessed when you obey God because you'll grow closer to God. And you're blessed if you can read that because it means you don't need glasses. Jesus isn't giving us, Jesus isn't giving us a list of what we need to do to be blessed. Very important we get this. We don't just go, okay, I'm just going to tick them off and go through them. I'm going to work toward it. God's blessing doesn't work like that. He's sharing what a blessed life looks like. This is what blessed life looks like. God wants to bless you. His desire, his being is to bless you, to pour himself out upon you. And this is what your life looks like when it's blessed. So if, you, if you're feeling any of that, you're blessed. That's a great thing. If you're not, maybe you're not pushing hard enough into where God wants you to be. And Jesus is actually explaining that this is what it looks like to be fully human. When we are fully blessed by the presence of God, we go, ah, oh, this is why I was made. This is why I'm put here and it might be tough or difficult or things that confuse me or don't understand me. But this is why I am made. The blessing of God brings us to more of our, gives us more of our humanity. And when we're made full by God, we're operating out of a resource that's infinite. Not out of what we have and who we are, but infinite. 
And so on Friday, I, am, I, I taught, or I've been teaching over the last semester, um, an incubator, which is a church planting thing, where we get together and we talk about church planting. And it happens once a month on a Friday. And so last Friday was it. And so I caught up with the guys. And as we're walking over to lunch, I say, I've got to preach on the Beatitudes this week. What ideas have you got, right? Because they're all preachers. And you'd think one of them would be helpful, right? All of them were useless. And I told them that. Like, this is the worst. Like, what? Have you never preached on the Beatitudes? What, what sort of Christian are you? What sort of preacher? So we have this rubbish conversation of no help at all for me. And then they changed tacks. Um, one of the guys dares to tell this story. They were talking about um, what to, how do we, we were talking about how, do we, uh, how does adoption work in Australia. And I shared a movie that I saw recently called Instant Family. That's how holy I was. And one of the other guys dropped this story on us that was just like, I'm like, oh, you have helped me with my sermon, right? So listen to this story. It's of his parents. So, so he's, um, he's pastoring a church. He's um, that age. His two kids have all left home. So mum and dad see the kids leave home, that they've passed it, uh, parented these amazing kids. They've instilled love and faith in them. They've, they're all Christians. They've left home. And the parents are like, all right, what can we do with the rest of our lives? You know what they decided to do with the rest of their lives? Foster children. Like, maybe something strange happens when your kids leave home. But I was I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, yeah. So they signed up for this respite foster care. So every weekend, they'd have different kids. And the kids would come in and they care for them from Friday night to Sunday evening. Every weekend. And I'm like, that's incredible. He goes, oh, yeah, no, I haven't really got to the, the good stuff. I'm like, what happened? He said, well, there's this, uh, um, a, a little while into it. So they've been foster caring these kids, respite care. A little while into it. Um, we get this little ba- they get this little baby. The little baby is addicted to heroin because of his mum. And so they're, they, they're, the, story they, the part of the story they shared is they, they remember sitting on the bed, on their, on their bed, with a little baby, like, out, out of its mind with all the stuff that must be happening chemically to it, aside from the fact that babies cry, right? And they're, they're looking at this, and they start to laugh. There's this contagious laugh that kind of came over them and they laugh and when they share the story they're like it was the weirdest thing and this the, this was the word it says what have we done what have we gotten ourselves into we've parented our kids well they've left home we're in our 50s everything before us we've got our superannuation tech we're good to go and yet we are here and then it dawns on them that living a life of blessing leads you into places that God wants us to be that we would never dream of going. Over the last 15 years, they fostered 42 kids. The little baby with a heroin addiction had a brother. And the more the weekends they took this baby in, the more effective that care became until the department started saying, hey, we need you to care for this baby more. And so weekends went to week on, week off, went to two weeks on, week off, went to more and more and more until he went to full-time permanent care. And a couple of years ago, um, the, the government said, we want to call you permanent, give you permanent guardianship. So I, I, you're their parents now um, in this space because we have seen the amazing change it's had on these kids as they found stability with you, right? It's crazy. They've had 42 kids over the last 15 years, and this is part of that story. And so it's telling us this story over like K 
cashew chicken. I'm just like, this, this, I'm just enthralled. I said, I said, I've got to ask, why? What? Why does someone do that? What, what is going on? Uh, a mate says, they wanted to bless other children out of the overflow that they've been blessed with. Mum had a really tough upbringing, but met God and God gave her everything back and now she just <laughs> wants to pass that on. And so then I asked the second most obvious question. I said, how can they keep doing it? How do you stay sustained in that space? Over 15 years, it wasn't like a flash in the pan. Hey, good job. Looked after a kid with a heroin addiction for a night. But you committed your entire lives to this. And the answer that was given was God has put something into mum and dad that is this endless resource from which they can love kids out of their own brokenness and into God's wholeness. And I said, that has helped with my sermon a great deal. Thank you. See, that's what it looks like to bless. Cutting your neighbor's lawn, that's what it looks like to bless. Seeing a Facebook post that someone needs a home-cooked meal and going and cooking that meal and taking it to them is what it means to be blessed. Helping someone move house is what it means to be bless. Babysitting for a neighbour, caring for someone at work, encouraging someone that you feel you'd like to encourage. That's what it looks like. Don't take away from this, oh, I couldn't foster care, therefore. No, no, no. Miss the point if you're there. God has given you and blessed you and poured into your life. Make it flow out. Find someone. Find an opportunity. And we're going to do that. I want to encourage you to do that this week. And let's come back next week and share some epic stories. And, and, and the story is about the passing on. That's what makes it epic. That we go, oh God, you've given me this and I want to pass it on. So next week we're going to, going to do that. But to prepare for it, we're just going to take a couple of minutes now. We're going to sit in silence. And I just want you to you write a list in your head, however you want to do it. You don't have to write this down. But what are you thankful for that God has blessed you with? And some of you might be super, super close to Jesus and others might be just investigating what it looks like. We've all been blessed. So let's just take a few minutes and identify, and the list might go on and on and on, and that's completely cool. But what is it that God has blessed you with that identifying it, it renews something in us? Right, so I'll give you a really quick example. Sometimes, very rarely, do our kids drive us insane. Like every two or three times a day. And when that happens, I find if I go, but they are given to us by God as a blessing, it shifts that, it turns that, it alters that. See, when we realise how much we've been blessed, it changes us. So this isn't about going, God bless me more. It's about going, oh, you've blessed me richly and deeply. I, I see the resource I have now to give out. So let's just take some time in, in that. And then I'm going to pray for us out of that space.